Welcome to Modern Ancestral Mamas, a podcast for mamas created by mamas. We discuss ancestral food, cooking, feeding our families, and holistic living with the everyday modern mom. We are Corey and Christine, two mamas on a mission to nourish our families holistically while keeping it real in today's crazy world. Follow us on this adventure and enjoy the stories and information we share. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Modern Ancestral Mamas. I am Christine from Nourish the Littles, and I'm joined by my co-host, Corey, from For Nutrients Sake. Hello, everyone. This is part three of our mini-series on specific meals. Um, So you can go back and listen to breakfasts episode and um, a lunch episode, and this one is on dinner. So then next we're going to have snacks and then we'll have a whole episode on nutrient-dense desserts. Yeah, that sounds great. So Corey, what did you guys, well, okay, so we usually start every episode with a question about the subject related to what we're going to talk about. And so since today we are talking about dinners, Corey, why don't you share what you guys had for dinner today or another day? (laughs) Now, today's good. Um, So we are in the middle of uh, moving to Georgia. And um, because of that, I'm not buying anything new. We're just using whatever we have in our pantry and in our freezers. And so tonight, I pulled out a already cooked... um, pork shoulder or pork butt. I'm not actually sure. Um, but it was already cooked and I had it in the freezer. So I poured that out and I had some rolls from, um, organic bread of heaven. So we just had like barbecue pork sandwiches with, oh, I made, um, apple pie too. Oh, whoa. You went fancy tonight. Well, so (laughs) I have all of these, um, sourdough pie crusts in my freezer. So I've been using them. And we've had a lot more pie recently than we normally do. (laughs) Have you made a chicken pot pie with them? Yeah. So I've made um, chicken pot pies. I've made a bunch of like beef hand pies. I've made apple pie, berry pie. Um, There's something else. I think I made like a pizza pie. I've made curry pies. I've made a lot of pies recently. That's so cool. Okay. So there's two I'm thinking that you could make. You could make, I don't, could you make empanadas with it? I don't, I've never made empanadas. I don't, I don't you fry empanadas? You can fry or you can bake them. Okay. I could maybe bake them. I don't think that the crust would hold up to fry. Okay. Um, but I, I could bake it. What is in an empanada? Anything you want. <laughs> Meat okay. and cheese. Um, sometimes they can be sweet. Some, sometimes they're savory. I mean, you can put anything you want in there. I think it's we only had like meat. a beef one, like shredded yeah. beef. It could be shredded beef. It could be ground beef. Okay. Anything really. Um, and then I was thinking, I'm wondering, have you ever made beef Wellington before? I have never made it. Um, a neighbor of mine, <laughs> one Christmas, it was like Christmas Eve, and she called me at like, I don't know, it was late. It was like nine o'clock. And she's like, I don't have any puff pastry and I'm making beef Wellington tomorrow. <laughs> Do you have any puff pastry? She's like, you're the only person I could think of that would <laughs> potentially have puff pastry. And I did. So I <laughs> saved her Christmas. There you go. I'm basically Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, or steak and kidney pie. Okay. So that's the other thing. I have have a a lot of organ meats. Yes. I have, let's see, we ate all the hearts. Um, Oh, hearts easy. Yeah, I know. Hearts are easy. But we have uh, a kidney and a couple, couple of 
pork livers. And Those are small. Yeah. Um, and I have some trotters, which those are easy too. And what's the other one that was weird? You only have a week left to use all of this, right? No, no, no. Two, I have two and a half. Two and a oh. half weeks. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh my gosh, you're going to be doing a lot of cooking. Yeah, um, like we're going to eat only organ meat for the next couple weeks. Okay, do your people eat mushrooms? Mm-mm. That's no. like okay. one thing. Oh, neither do mine. It's okay. I love mushrooms. Juan loves mushrooms. The baby likes mushrooms, but the other two kids don't. Ryan um, and I don't really like them. Oh, I love mushrooms. Well, okay. What you could do is either just chop up the kidney super, super small with either ground beef or with steak and do, um, what's it called? Like a, it, I mean, I was thinking like a mushroom sauce. You know how you have like condensed can of mushroom? Yeah. Like the conventional Essentially make the same thing, but like put that into, doesn't have to be mushrooms. Just like a gravy? Yes. Make like a gravy and put that into the pie and you could add a few carrots into it or um, maybe potatoes, any like veggies that your kids like and make like a steak and kidney, steak and organ meat pie. Do you cook the kidneys with the steak? Before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's the other problem. I also packed up all of my cookbooks. Oh, well, (laughs) yeah, that is a problem. Um, I'm pretty sure Awfully Good Cooking has a recipe for steak and kidney pie. Of course. You can definitely. Yes, you can definitely look up that one. I will. Okay. What did you guys have for dinner? I was really craving ceviche. (laughs) So we had fish. Um, which is basically raw fish with anything really. And there's many, depending on where in the world you are, there's different ways of making it. And different fish. And different fish. Yeah. Fishes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I had salmon, so I made it with salmon. So I just made a salmon ceviche and I added mango and red bell pepper and avocado and red onion. And then the citrus that you like marinated in, I did, um, what's it called? Grapefruit, lemon, and lime. And then I zested all of those, put it in there. What else did I do? Um, and obviously salt. And then in Ecuador, I grew up eating ceviche with popcorn. So anytime you would eat ceviche, they would put popcorn on top of it and you like mix it in and that's how you eat it. Does it get soggy? It does. I mean, if you let it sit there for a long time, but usually ceviche is something that you eat fairly quickly and the popcorn is just like an added crunch. So I popped my own popcorn and added some butter and togarashi salt to it. And we had popcorn on top of it. And the baby has just now discovered popcorn and he's obsessed. I mean, it's comical. (laughs) He just sits there with the air, you know, the little air popper thing and he's you know, like freaking out as it's coming out <laughs> and shoveling it into his mouth as fast as he can. It's really cute. That's so sweet. Okay, oh, so wait. Was, go ahead. No, I just remembered something. So the kids, the kids, Sassy, um, my middle, her school has quail and they have an overabundance of eggs. And so today we came home with quail eggs and I didn't know which kid was going to eat the ceviche or not. So I just boiled a bunch of quail eggs. Which oh, my gosh. Obviously tiny. They're tiny. <laughs> yeah. So they had quail eggs on the side as kind of like a backup in case they didn't like the ceviche. But the majority of them ate it. There was a little bit of complaints about like, there's gray on the salmon. Oh, uh, whatever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. So like the citrus juice in ceviche, does it essentially cook the fish or is it a raw fish thing like sushi or? Yeah, it's raw, but you're right. The, the citrus cooks it a little bit. It's still raw. It's just hmm. like kind of cooks it. <laughs> so this could be a gateway for people who are not super into raw meat. For sure. Yeah. And I wish as I was making it, I was like, I should, I should be taking pictures of this. But I, I don't think that feel all like the time it. when I'm cooking. Yeah. 
and I didn't like, do it. And I'm thinking, oh, there are so many posts I could do about this. <laughs> Eating raw food, just like, ugh. And instead, I'm enjoying my delicious food and not documenting it. Real life, people. Sometimes I don't want to be on Instagram. Oh, so much. <laughs> yeah, it's always so a see, weird balance. That's why you come and listen to the podcast because then <laughs> you, I can describe what the beautiful ceviche looks with all the colors and you can envision it in your mind and then your mouth will water. <laughs> your imagination is always better anyway. That's why you should read the book first. Yes. Good point. <laughs> My kids just finished the third Harry Potter book and then I let them watch the movie and they're like, mom, there's so many things that they left out of the movie. Like, yes. Yeah. Books are better. Always. <laughs> All right. Let's dive into dinners. Um, do you want to talk about your meal schedule? Sure. I will talk about the meal schedule. Um, so this is something that I started many, many years ago by the suggestion of a friend, actually the same friend whose website we mentioned earlier, awfullygoodcooking.com. Um, and it's, it was also really recommended by Waldorf, the Waldorf school that my kids went to in Chicago, just this idea of establishing a consistent routine around meals and the predictability it offers for kids and how they can kind of like relax in knowing what's to come. So that's kind of a long-winded response to why I started it. But I basically adopted her schedule, (laughs) um, which was okay. So Monday nights and my, my schedule is based or this schedule is based on categories and you can do it any way you want. But essentially the category is Monday night is organ meat, which means somehow there's an organ meat incorporated. Sometimes it's very obvious, like, I don't know, liver and onions or uh, something like that, steak and kidney pie. Or sometimes it's more hidden where it's just like a ground beef and it just happens to have liver or heart in it. Okay, wait, I want to pause you on that. Because I think that's really smart to kind of force yourself to do organs once a week. Like if that is on your schedule, then when you go to, you know, make your food, you're going to say, okay, well, it's Monday. I have to do organs. And you're just kind of, you know, forcing it into your schedule instead of on a whim. Yeah, no, definitely. And And part of the reason why I like it is because that doesn't mean I'm eating liver every Monday. I try to rotate through it. So some, some days or yeah, some weeks we're going to eat heart. Some weeks we're going to eat tongue. Um, Some weeks kidneys usually at the bottom because that's my (laughs) least favorite. Um, I'm trying to think, oh yeah, when I lived in Chicago, I had access to sweetbreads. So we were able to eat sweetbreads. I have not been able to find them here in Dallas, but they are so delicious. Um, gizzards, gizzards are really good and easy to mix in too. Chicken heart, chicken heart's really easy. Heart, just heart is very easy. <laughs> yeah. Heart's easy because it's essentially a muscle. Yeah. 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 Um, and then there's companies like force of nature or, um, so there's even a few local here to Dallas that will mix in, uh, organ meats into, their ground beef or their sausages. Um, It doesn't have to be like an organ meat staring you in the face every single time. And I'm not perfect. There's some weeks where I don't do it and I completely, I'm just like, well, it's just ground beef where it's regular this time, nothing in it. But it's predictable and now the kids know. And so now they're like, okay, mom, so what's in it this week? Like... (laughs) And I tell them the truth and I'm upfront with them mostly because I don't want to lie to them about it and I want them to be able to trust me. And if they want to say that they don't want to eat something, then that's totally okay. So, um, okay. So that was a really long tangent on Monday. (laughs) Which Mondays deserve long tangents. So I know (laughs) isn't that the truth. Um, Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh Oh, Tuesday is going to be a tangent too. Okay. So (laughs) 
<laughs> Tuesday is normally chicken or fowl. Okay. So we had duck for a really long time because a neighbor of ours went duck hunting and gifted us a whole bunch of duck. So we had duck or we had chicken or we had turkey. So fowl <laughs> or leftovers. So if I happen to have a ton of food from the weekend and I didn't want to cook on Tuesdays, then I could use leftovers. However, okay, here's the tangent. I recently started, I'm like three weeks in, to this experiment with a friend of mine where whatever we are making for our families, Monday night, we're doubling that recipe and then we're trading it on Tuesday. So Monday night's meal, the organ meat meal, I'm doubling that recipe and then I'm going to, and then we're going to trade that meal with each other. So that means Tuesday now I'm not cooking anymore. So she is also doubling whatever she's making on Monday and then giving you half of that on Tuesday. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. So this means both of us are not cooking on Tuesday and it has been such a life changer. Um, There's something about one night a week, knowing that you're getting a nourishing meal and that you didn't have to make it. It's just, it's a huge, it's a huge relief. Um, so that's been going really well. And, um, I mean later, well, I just wanted to talk about if it's possible to find something like that in your own area, wherever you are, then do it because you can make community and you can help each other out and, you know, it, it's it's one less night a week that you have to cook. Um, anyway, so that's Tuesdays. So for for the first two weeks, she was giving us chicken to, so that we could like stay on her schedule. <laughs> um, but then this past week, it was her son's birthday and he wanted pasta and bolognese for his birthday, which happened to be on a Monday. So we got pasta and bolognese, which of course no one in my house complained about. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, okay, Wednesdays are soup. And basically that just means we eat soup. <laughs> basically, do you do that in the summer? Yeah, I do it in the summer as well. But I try to do more cool, like colder soups. Like so we'll do Yes, we'll do gazpachos or um, sometimes we end up doing crockpot meals. And yeah, uh, anything that you can add broth to. The point of Wednesday is to consume broth. Right. So... Sometimes it's pot roast, sometimes it's crock pot meal, sometimes it's a soup. But the vehicle, the main ingredient that we're trying to get into the whole family is broth. Thursday is usually seafood or raw foods. Um, so we... Had to for tonight. Exactly. So I hit both the raw food and the seafood tonight, ah, which was yeah. great. But yeah, so like sometimes on Thursdays we'll have bone marrow or we'll have a tartare or we'll have, um, I've done, I'm trying to think what else. Wait, do yeah. you eat bone marrow raw? No, it's not uh, raw. I guess it could go on the organ meat day, but I put it on Thursdays usually. Okay. And I only know, the only way I've eaten bone marrow so far has been either mixed in with peas, like bone marrow and peas and mint. It's actually really good. Um, and then, or bone marrow on top of sourdough toast with like a parsley salad. Mm -hmm. I need to branch out a little bit, but, and then Fridays, my kids go over to grandma's house and she cooks. So that's actually, so it's another day that I don't have to worry about. And then Saturdays and Sundays are Saturday is like a pot roast or something fun. And Sunday's almost always grilling like steak or something like that. Okay. So your schedule is not really a meal plan, but do you meal plan at the beginning of the week going off of your schedule? Yeah. So usually Friday. Okay. If, if everything goes well, Friday is when I'm planning what we're eating for the following week. And that's because when I drop off the kids at my mom's house, I'm going to go to the grocery store and that's, that's where I'm like trying to think, think ahead. 
and I meal plan based on, okay, organ meats, um, chicken, soup, seafood. So I actually, today, I, I already thought about next week's. And so next week I have, and lately I've been writing them down. So for the whole month of April, I've never done this before, but I'm writing every single meal down. Um, stay tuned for what I'm going to do for that. But uh, so next week we're going to have shepherd's pie. It's going to have organ meats in it, obviously. Uh, Tuesday we will receive whatever my friend gives us. Wednesday, I'm still struggling with for Wednesday. It's either going to be like a springy soup with some of the greens I got in my CSA. Um, Thursday, it's Cinco de Mayo, so we were going to do fish tacos. (laughs) So, yeah, that's kind of how I I sort of just like think about it. And then Friday, you're coming to my house. Friday, I'm going to your house. And Saturday, I don't have to worry about it. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Saturday, I'll be at Polyface eating all of the nourishing foods. That's not true. I have to, I have to leave some food at home for them. So I've kind of thought about that. Oh, you don't leave Juan to cook. (laughs) (laughs) He could, but I like to be very nice and I leave him with meals prepared. I was going to bake muffins this week and like, just make sure that there's stuff for them. That is very kind of you. Yes. Well, I mean, he's, he's being, I mean, he is helping me out with the kids so that I can go to this event and I'm super grateful. So he's doing his part. I'm going to do mine. (laughs) Nice. Okay. One quick question about the logistics on your, um, swapping meals thing. How do you deliver that? Like, is that in, I don't know, maybe this is a nitpicky question, but like, are you delivering it in glass something and then she's giving it back to you the next week or what? Yeah. So we meet up every Tuesday morning for a walk and we just bring it with us on the walk and we're basically kind of just trading each other's Tupperware. So at this point I have no idea which ones are hers and which ones are mine, (laughs) but every week I get some new glass Tupperware that sometimes I recognize and sometimes I don't. Um, oh, so actually last week she made us chicken enchiladas and gave me one of her like glass, you know, baking pans. And I realized that I forgot to give it back to her, but it works out perfectly because that's what I'm going to put her shepherd's pie in. So she'll get it back next week. Nice. So every time somebody brings me something, um, like a meal or whatever, and I have to return the dish, I try and return the dish with something in it. So, um, you know, if somebody brings me a meal or something, unless it's like I just had a baby and, you know, there's no way I'm doing something extra, but usually I'll just try and return it with, I don't know, like a pie in it or, you know, just to kind of return the favor. But I was curious how you guys worked that out. Well, it's either generous or I just need an excuse to make something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I So I used to, I, I mean, I still do this every once in a while. I haven't done it as often. But when I lived in Chicago, I was a part of the Bring Meals to New Moms Club um, at There's our church. There's a club for that? I mean, at our church. Oh, that's so cool. It was like a committee. Yeah. And, and there's one here as well in Dallas and I've done it many times. And honestly, there's, it's just so incredible to receive a meal, but I will go to Target and just buy the glass, like their cheapest glass, like baking dishes and stuff like that. And I usually tell them when I give it to you, you can keep it like, it's okay. If I get it back, that's great. But it's like, I bought it for the purpose of giving it to you and I don't need it back. Um, Just because I know that sometimes like new moms, the last thing on their mind is returning a Tupperware to someone, a stranger essentially, or, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I usually give stuff in like um, canning jars if, if that's possible, because then it's like, you don't have to return this. Like it's just a canning jar. Yeah. I've also heard of people going to thrift stores and stocking up on, um, you know, Pyrex from thrift stores because they're super cheap. That is even smarter than going to Target. 
Okay, I'm going to do that instead. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, Corey, so tell us about your dinner routine. I want to hear about it. Um, okay, so right now we're, you know, in this weird spot. Um, and I'm flying by the seat of my pants a lot more than I usually do. Um, but... I guess in normal life, not moving life, I like to have a written plan for the whole week. And I don't necessarily have a schedule, although sometimes if I can't think of a meal to make, then I'll fall back on a schedule. Um, But I'm usually just like a sit down at the beginning of the week type person. And I usually write out all the like the school tasks that I have for my kids. And I'm also writing out my meal plan around that same time. And it's generally like I've looked through my fridge and my freezer and I've gone, this is what needs to be used up this week. And this is a creative way of doing that. Um, and that's really it. A lot of times I'll look at this I'll, like the calendar and be like, okay, well, we're going to be out late this week. Um, I need to have a crock pot meal. Um, but I like to have the whole meal plan written down and I usually write it down on my phone so that I'm able to look at it while I'm out. I usually write it down on my, um, my paper calendar so that, um, when I am doing schoolwork with the kids, which is where their school assignments are also written, I can see it then. And then I also write it on a whiteboard in my kitchen so that while I'm in the kitchen, I can look up at the whiteboard and be like, oh, I have to pull out a chicken for tomorrow, or I have to soak some beans for tomorrow, um, or I need to get bread made because we're having soup on Wednesday and I want to have bread for that. Um, but otherwise, I mean, otherwise, I'm not following a schedule as much as I'm just kind of making up whatever we feel like eating that week. Um, yeah. And I also sometimes will write down, like if in the middle of the week, I'm like, oh, I really don't want to eat what I have planned, but you know, I already have all this stuff. I really am really, you know, instead craving lasagna or whatever, I'll just write down make lasagna next week. So then I'm still getting whatever I'm feeling like, or, or my kids are feeling like, you know, they're saying, let's have pancakes for dinner. Like, okay, great. But, um, I can't do that today. We'll put it on the schedule for next week. So it's not as much a schedule as just one week at a time. No, but you're really diligent about writing at many different times. I've seen you post images of the, it looks like a chalkboard. Is it a chalkboard? It's a, it's a whiteboard, but yeah. Okay. Um, I also I have a chalkboard in my kitchen, but that's oh, just okay. for the kids drawing. Okay. Um, it always looks so organized and pretty the way you write it. And, and I love that it, that is like a visual in the kitchen so that the kids can see it and they know, okay, this is what we're eating. It's, I mean, honestly, even if it's not a schedule, it's the same concept as what I'm doing, uh, which is you are, there is something written out for you and for the family to see what is coming. Yes. Um, and I mean, I think that's so helpful for everyone involved, really, the people who are cooking it and doing the shopping for it and the kids who are going to eat it and they know, all right, this day we're going to be eating lasagna or, you know, whatever it is. So that's yeah. awesome. We do have every Wednesday, we do um, leftovers. And that, okay. I mean, I, I know I've said this on Instagram a bunch, but it is really important for us to have a day. My mom used to call it a smorgasbord meal. <laughs> She'd like pull every container out of the fridge and lay it out on the counter and be like, choose what you're putting in the microwave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ours, 
it's sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's a smorgasbord meal, um, sans the microwave. But sometimes it's like, okay, I have, you know, leftover chicken and I have leftover rice. Um, so now we're going to have fried rice. So it's still leftovers and I'm not cooking much, but, um, I'm not having to cook an entirely new meal. Totally. Yeah. 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 I actually, I, when I remember I use Allison's word for leftovers, I did it a few times. Avanci. I need to remember that. I had the kids ask me last week and I said, oh, we're having Avanci tonight. And they were like, what is that? And I was just like, oh, you'll see. <laughs> and then I pull it out of the fridge and they're like, ah, this is leftovers. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's not. It's Avanci. <laughs> you didn't fool them. I know. Maybe it's Avanci. I don't remember how you say it, but. Um, so do you have any tips or tricks that you've learned that you want to share I'm like personally super interested in hearing how you cook for a big family. I mean, I have one other extra kid than you do. I know, <laughs> but that's still one more mouth to feed. I, Daniel yeah, I is guess. basically like feeding two people. I, yeah, I think <laughs> you probably make just as much food as I do. Um, uh, Okay, so I'll start out by saying that when Ryan and I first got married, I made way too much food because I was used to cooking for, well, first I was used to cooking for my family. So I grew up in a family with um, six people. Uh, I guess it was five people at the time, six-ish. That is to say we almost always had extra kids at our house. Um <laughs> But then when I moved to college and I lived um, in an apartment, I was always cooking for my me and my roommates. So I was always cooking for lots of people. So when Ryan and I got married and there was just two of us, he was always like, you have to stop cooking so much. We can't eat all this food. <laughs> so I think maybe it's just I now have enough people to eat all the food that I make. <laughs> oh, that's maybe funny. that's not helpful <laughs> do you know like how many pounds of meat or I guess because it's hard to quantify vegetables yeah but. so like that's going to depend on what I'm making like if you're if I'm making hamburgers then I need I usually do two pounds of ground beef and then maybe a package of hot dogs. Mm. But um, that's usually because we're also only having like a salad on the side or something. Like it's not usually a, a big side. Yeah. But if I'm making something like, um, oh, let me think, like tacos, I can get away with making just one pound of ground beef because there's going to also be refried beans and there's going to be all these toppings and um, sometimes rice or, you know, there's, there's a lot of other things that are filling you up. Um, but like I can make one chicken and I, <laughs> I posted about this on um, Instagram at last week or something and I posted about how one five, six pound ish chicken can feed my family for like three to six meals. Whoa, three to six meals is a lot. Yes, but I'm also including broth in that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, I can usually get three solid meals with meat from yeah. one chicken. Yeah, same. Um, but, but you have to think about that. Like you're not eating just chicken, right? That's true. Yeah. You're eating – like if I make a roasted chicken, I'm usually also roasting a bunch of vegetables with it. So then you're eating yep. chicken and vegetables. Then another meal you're eating um, 
like enchiladas. So then you're mm. adding rice the and cheese and, and, yeah. and um, vegetables probably. And then, I don't know, soup. So you yeah. add a bunch of vegetables and broth with that. And then you can take the broth, just broth, and add it to um, either just a vegetable soup or rice and beans or, you know, something like that. So yeah, I can get a bunch of meals out of one chicken. Not to mention if you're taking the um, liver and the heart out of the chicken and making something with that. Yeah, I think a whole roast chicken is a very underrated meal that people don't think about. There's so many possibilities with it and it yields a lot of different meals, like you said. Yeah, and if you take the time to pick all the meat off. There's actually a lot of meat like hidden. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, so my, <laughs> we, I talk about this friend a lot, but, um, <laughs> my friend from awfully good cooking again, <laughs> she would take the farmers, she would purchase all of the farmers like leftover turkeys. Some, a lot of times it would be small. Um, and they, she would like roast them throughout the year because a turkey is going to obviously yield a lot of meals more than a chicken. Um, and I think that's such a good idea. Once that you know how really to, good idea. Yeah. Once you know how to roast a chicken, you know how to roast a turkey. It's the same thing. Just longer. It takes longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, turkey broth is really good. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. I love turkey broth. Love it. Um, so one time you told me about the once a month community freezer meal batch cooking thing that you did. And I want you to share more about that. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. So I've done this. I've done it a couple times with my sister and I did it once with somebody else. A long time ago, actually. But essentially, you just take a day, one day, and um, basically, you're just assembling meals in. I think we did it in Ziploc bags, like freezer bags, and you just are spending a bunch of time chopping onions. Like, <laughs> you know, you spend, you chop up. 20 onions or something and then you have all your bags lined up and you just say okay there's a cup of onions in this bag and in this bag and in this bag and this bag and this bag and then you do I don't know you've picked like four recipes or something and you're just filling the bags but you've picked four recipes that are um you're making however many meals with those four recipes So let's say you're making um, like a crock pot. What did I make one time? It was like a ranch style chicken. So like I would put in, you know, however much goes in that bag, you're doing it in batch. So it's faster. And then that goes in the freezer and they're usually crock pot meals. So then you just pull it out and dump it in the crock pot whenever you're cooking it. Got it. Um, and then it's just easier and it's more fun because you're doing it with somebody and in communion. And, um, you know, usually one person's in charge of one thing at a time. So one person's doing onions, one person's smashing garlic, and then somebody is doing red peppers or whatever it is, you know, um, it's always worked out really well. And it's really nice to have those crock pot meals super easy in the, in the freezer. I think if I were to do it again, um, I would probably change it up a little bit because there's a bunch of recipes online that you can find that are for this kind of thing, but I don't think that they make the best food. Like I think they make kind of run-of-the-mill food it's maybe that sounds really judgy um but it's none of it's like really good flavor wise like 
onions, for example, have really wonderful flavor if you've cooked them in butter and salt before you put them in whatever else you're cooking. Um, Or spices, they do really well if you've bloomed them in some butter or ghee before putting them in with the liquids. So if I were to do it again, I think it would do more of that rather than just dump it all in raw. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. I know what you mean. That, But I, I understand the concept. So the concept is you guys are choosing, let's say, like four meals and then delegating tasks for each person and you're cooking you're batch cooking all four meals so that however many people are there, you know, each family is getting, is it four meals? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's, I mean, that's a really, really good idea. Yeah. And it's like your thing where you're swapping meals. Like it's all about building community. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, really important in today's day and age where um, sometimes we feel like we have to do everything. Like we feel like everything is on us. We have to do, you know, all of the household tasks and cook and, and that's not true. We can ask for help and, or we can delegate to part to our partners. Um, And I think something like this gives us the opportunity to practice asking for help and, and yeah, creating community. Um, cause maybe someone doesn't, maybe someone feels like they don't have someone in their, uh, nearby that they can do this with, but they can reach out to a Weston A. Price, you know, local chapter leader, or maybe there's a neighbor down the street that they don't know very well. And, you know, you can get to know through, this kind of meal swapping thing. So, yeah. And I think, I think that there is a lot, there are a lot of people who like good food and the way that we eat is not as weird as it may seem. Like we're just eating good food and there are ways to make this food without organs. If you're with people who are really squeamish, um, You don't have to have organs with every meal. You can just make normal food. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, comfort food. Right, exactly. Comfort food. Yeah. So, Corey, I have a question for you. Okay. What happens if one of your kids chooses not to eat what you served? Christine, that never happens at my house. My children are angels. <laughs> I should have known better. They eat all your food always and never Every complain. Of it. Um, <laughs> they just don't eat it. I mean, I don't, I know a lot of people, you know, have the try it meal or try it rules. I don't think there's anything wrong with those. I, I I don't do those. I just say this is what's for dinner. You can eat or not. Um, I do always have something um, served with the meal. That is something that I know that they like. So even if it's just raw milk or sourdough um, and butter, there's always something on the table that they like. Um, but other than that, there are plenty of times, especially with my oldest, where he'll just say, I don't want this. I'll say, okay. And then will he just either have a glass of milk or just go to bed without eating? Yes. Okay. Does I know it sounds and- harsh, but... No, I mean, I don't think it sounds harsh if... Also, he knows his body best. So, like, if he really doesn't want to eat something, then, I mean, he doesn't have to. Right. Does he wake up in the morning really hungry? Usually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I kind of have to remind myself, or 
maybe not as much now, but when we first started doing that, um, I kept having to remind myself like, this is not the only meal. There's always another meal coming. Always. And he can choose to eat that next meal or not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's such a good point. We, we do essentially the same thing where it's just, this is what's for dinner. Um, you can choose to eat it or not. For example, tonight. So tonight with a ceviche, I was not a hundred percent certain that they were going to eat the raw salmon or not. So that's why I had the, um, the quail eggs as a backup. If they didn't want the salmon, they could pick it out and just eat the mango and avocado in it. (laughs) Um, and, and I, oh, for the baby, I did make, uh, roasted sweet potatoes and, my daughter, once she realized there were raw onions in the ceviche, she didn't. She does not like that. And so she initially said she wasn't going to eat it. So she had the sweet potatoes and the kale, or the kale, the uh, quail eggs. <laughs> um, and then she tried it and decided, oh, actually, this isn't that bad, and ate a few plates of it. Um, so I guess similar to you, I do make sure that there's always something that I know they prefer. Um, but for the most part, they're very adventurous and I mean, they're good eaters. They'll, they'll eat what you put in front of them for the most part. Um, but you make such a good point about something called the division of responsibility, which I think we've talked about before, but basically it was started by this woman called Ellen Sater And the concept is that the adult provides the food. So the adult cooks the food and, you know, offers it to the child. And the adult decides when you're eating. And then the kid decides how much. Oh, yeah. And where. Thank you. So when and where and, you know, offers the food, provides the food. And then the kid decides how much they're eating and whether they eat. Yes. And that's it. <laughs> it's just like, okay, wiping my hands clean of this. I've done my job. You've gone shopping for it. You've prepared it. You've placed it in front of them. And now you release control. Right. So we started using that after my older two were old enough to have opinions. <laughs> um, and we hadn't done it that way before. So we actually had a conversation because it was, I was retraining myself. Um, my husband was also new to this idea and the kids were new to this idea. So we, I, I like printed out this little printable thing and put it on our fridge and we sat them down and we said, okay, well this meals have been not pleasant. <laughs> we're going to try this new way of doing things. And we will always make sure that you have something that you like. And we will always make sure that there's another meal coming. But you don't have to eat what we're serving. And what I'm trying to say is that there was a conversation with my kids. And we made sure everybody was on the same page. And we were learning this new way of doing this together. And I want to say all that because I think it's important to recognize that if you haven't done things this way from the get-go, it's okay to change course and do something new if you find something that you think will work better for your family. That's so well said. I love how you had a conversation with them about it. It's really great. Um, I will say, though, it didn't go smoothly right off the bat. It took a long time. Yeah. No, I can imagine that transitions can be difficult for kids and yeah, those things take time. But I mean, I didn't realize the dinner episode was going to be so packed full of information, but, um, we just, we have so much that we want to share about dinner. It's such an important part of a family unit. And, you know, usually the dinner is when 
everyone can come together and have a meal all at the same time. And so I've been doing, I've been creating this other online course and through it, I've been looking at some research and I found that there's actually research that shows that if you have a minimum of one family meal a day, doesn't necessarily have to be dinner, but one family meal a day where there's at least one caregiver sitting down with all of the kids and you're sitting at a table or a bar, you know, bar stools or whatever it is, but you're sitting for a meal that that actually supports not only feeding skills, but also emotional development, academic skills, and it prevents disordered eating. So just this idea of taking part in a meal together in communion is really, really vital for, you know, a child's development. And when we're sitting down to do this, if at all possible, you know, eliminate distractions. So that means the phones are not at the table. That means the TV is off. Um, some people like to, I actually remember as a kid, my mom at lunchtime, she would bring chapter books and she would read a chapter book for us at lunchtime. Um, but so maybe that's a time when, you know, as a family, you guys are reading or maybe you're saying prayers or you're recounting something that happened in the day. Um, but just remembering that mealtimes are a time for a connection and building your relationship and conversation and also modeling manners. Um, recently, my oldest has discovered he can burp on command. <laughs> the joys of parenthood. And man, has he really enjoyed it. And he sits across from the baby. And so he sits there burping on command and then the baby copies everything he does. And then he laughs hysterically. And I'm just like, <sighs> mealtimes are for modeling manners. Mealtimes are for modeling manners. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. <laughs> so if you have any suggestions for that, I'll take them. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but yes, I mean, you got to keep it real life, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got no advice on that one. Um, I, I was going to say this before you dropped that bomb. Um, my family, we got this, um, what are they called? Conversation cards or something that we keep at the table. And it's been this huge game about who gets to pick the card and then read it to everybody. Um, I think we actually have to get a new batch because we've been through this one batch over and over. I think we're all really sick of it. Um, but those are really, really fun to go through. And I agree. I think I remember before when we were, when I had two younger kids, just sorry, not two younger kids. The two older kids were younger. We lived in this tiny, tiny apartment. And I've posted pictures of the kitchen before, but I've never posted pictures of how small the rest of it was. But it was so small that we didn't have a dining table. We had a couch um, in our living room and playroom. And um, we had this like folding table that was mine from college that was only, it's only a couple feet tall. So you had to sit on the floor to eat off of the table. And we almost never ate together at that time because we didn't have anywhere to comfortably sit. Um, and it, I look ba looking back on that, like my kids had terrible table, table manners, just terrible. Like we'd go to dinner at my parents' house or something and I'd be totally embarrassed because my kids did not know how to behave at dinner. And looking back, I'm like, duh, Corey, you had, you were not doing anything to teach them how to behave. They don't just know this stuff. You have to do it with them. <laughs> so um, it, it got way better once we were able to sit together as a family. But again, it was this learning curve of reteaching my kids how to be proper humans at a, 
you know, when other people are eating. There was a lot of relearning that happened at that around that same time. Wow, that's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I was I just thought to one more note on this subject is yes, the food aspect of it is important, but I also don't think it's the most important. Um, so even if depending on where as, um, depending on where you are in your journey, your meal might not be Instagram worthy and it doesn't need to be. And some nights it might be takeout or it might be a pizza or, you know, whatever you have. But the point is that you are making it a priority to sit down and eat the meal with your family and have a conversation. And like we said, you know, connect and work on building those relationships because that's actually what they're going to remember. They're going to remember that like fuzzy feeling of sitting at the table with their family Obviously, we do remember the, like, as kids, we do have memories of these meals. Um, but a lot of times, it's it's exactly that. It's it's that feeling of, like, safety and connection and, and that, like, warm, fuzzy feeling that you get in your stomach. That's what you remember. Um, maybe not so much the details of what it is that you ate. So I just wanted to add that little tidbit. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, do we have anything else that we want to share about dinners? I think I wanted to say one more thing. And I know I've said this before. I said it when um, we talked with Allison and Andrea on that podcast. I've said it when I was on um, Wise Traditions. And I've said it on my Instagram a million times. But I think it's... Uh, helpful. Um, And it was like kind of a mind blowing thing when I figured it out. But instead of trying to make everything all at once, whenever you're making something that can be frozen, double or triple it. Like if you're making um, beans, triple it and freeze it in, you know, portions where you can take it out for one meal. Or rice. Rice is great frozen. And if you freeze it, then you can pull it out and make um, arroz con pollo or fried rice. Super quick and easy. Um, Chicken freezes really well. Like any cooked meat. All of those things, if you do that when you're making it, you can pull it out again in the future and have much quicker, faster, easier meals. Yeah, I agree with that. That's definitely a very helpful tip. I think people get really overwhelmed with having to cook multiple meals a week, not to mention a day. And if we have meals that are already done, even things like if you're going to make meatloaf, It's just as easy to make two meatloaves as it is to make one. Yeah. Just make two. Then you have one meal then, and then you have another meal in a month. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I also think there's something to be said for practice. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the skills that I have in the kitchen now, I did not have when I first started. And what I'm cooking now is eons better than when I first started cooking. Um, so yes, it's intimidating to spend time in the kitchen and cook. And you might be looking at a lot of recipes at first and using a lot of recipe books or online, but the more you do it, the more you practice, the easier it's going to get. And when you make mistakes, you're going to learn from them. And that's, I I just, I really think that getting in the kitchen is an art that is being lost in today's culture. But anyway. Yeah. One of my, 
I think it actually might be the most um, trafficked post on my Instagram (laughs) is one that says like, I'm going to mess up the quote, but it's something like cooking is one of the, ah, man, cooking is one of the most learnable skills that'll serve your family best. Man, I butchered that. But it's something along those lines where it's like learning to cook is one of the best skills you can learn uh, to serve your family. I don't know. I'm messing it up. <laughs> I'm going to have to scroll through. That's how the far, gist. How deep, how deep on your grid is it? Oh, it's not that far in because it was not that long ago. Okay. Maybe you need, you need to turn it into a t-shirt. <laughs> I need another t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Um, dang, I could look it up really quickly, but then I feel like we're going to use up all of our time. Okay. Well, while you're looking it up, is there, I wonder if there's anything else we want to add. Otherwise. Got it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) There is no other practical skill that would serve your better. No, shoot. There's no other practical skill that would serve your family better than cooking. Amen. That's what we're closing this episode out on. That's too long for a (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah, that's true. All right, guys. Punchline. (laughs) Um, no, go ahead. I was going to say we have, um, or you have a blank meal schedule template on your, um, website, right? Well, it's going to go out to email subscribers. Oh, okay. Um, and I have a um, month-long, I think it's a summer meal plan on my website. So nice. sign up for Christine's email list and then check out the meal plan on my blog. I'm going to check that out. <laughs> I want a month-long summer meal plan. Yeah, just like download it. It's You can print it and then you don't have to think for a month. Woohoo. <laughs> Guys, before we leave, we want to say thanks so much for listening. And please, when you get a chance, review us on iTunes. And actually, actually, before we leave, we want to read a comment from one from someone that left us a comment on um, Apple Podcasts. And we just, so Corey and I have been receiving these comments, some in DMs and some on Apple Podcasts, and they are, they make us cry. I mean, <laughs> we just, they make us so, so happy. So Corey, why don't you read, read this person's comment? Go for okay, it. Okay, so make this is think. from... Um, somebody named British Fox, which is super cute. Um, and it says, um, it's hard to meet like-minded people in real life who share the same lifestyle and parenting philosophies. I thought becoming a mother would help me find my tribe, but alas, it hasn't. I love this podcast and look forward to seeing the topics, um, what topics are being discussed. I... (laughs) Thank you so much for that, yeah, British Fox. That it just it makes us so happy. This is why we're doing this. We're doing this for the modern ancestral mama. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cliche, but it's well, true. we're doing this because there's not a lot out there for people who want to live that modern ancestral mama life, right? It's hard to find your tribe. I mean, Christine and I are friends, but we live really far apart. And um, the friends that I have in real life are wonderful. I love them. But we don't get to talk about this kind of stuff as much. I have a couple local friends that I do. But it's hard to find people in real life who um, align with you on these kinds of things. 
Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. So on that note, if leave you feel inspired, yeah, if you feel inspired <laughs> to leave a comment, we might read it on air. <laughs> Other than that, thank you so much. Feel free to rate, uh, leave us leave us a review. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Modern Ancestral Mamas. Check out the show notes for the resources. You can find Christine on Instagram at NourishTheLittles and online at NourishTheLittles.com. You can find Corey on Instagram at ForNutrientSake and online at ForNutrientSake.com. Follow us on Instagram at Modern Ancestral Mamas. The information contained in this show is for informational purposes only. It should not be intended as medical advice and should not replace your relationship with your healthcare practitioner.